We've been studying the book of Acts over the last many weeks at the direction of the Holy Spirit. Um, You know, we should be just as powerful in the church today as they were in the early days 2,000 years ago of the church. And it's just a lie of the devil that we can't be as powerful as they were. And the devil has lied and many Christians have believed his lies that, you know, all the power died out with the last apostle. I can't find that anywhere in the Bible that the Holy Spirit and his gifts left when the last apostle died. The gifts of the Spirit are still available for us today. And we can be just as powerful as they were 2,000 years ago if we'll do what they do or do what they did. And so we've been going back in the book of Acts looking at what they did. And, uh, uh, and we've always tried to run the church that way over the last 21 years. We've tried to run this local church according to the book of Acts. And we've seen literally hundreds of people healed by the power of God over the last 21 years. We just had a couple, a few people healed a couple of weeks ago of some things. Right during the service here. God's still in the healing business. He really, really is. And we've seen, seen uh, the Lord move through this ministry with, you know, prophecy and words of wisdom, words of knowledge. And, and uh, a lot of people have been helped and blessed. And uh, you don't want to go to a church that will say that they believe in the gifts of the Spirit, but yet you never see any of them in operation. Did you get what I just said? And so we've we've believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and we do our best to flow with him. And he's still moving today, just like he was 2000 years ago. So we've been studying the book of Acts. Now, last week we finished in Acts, the eighth chapter. But what I want to do since it's Father's Day, I want to skip over one chapter to Acts 10 and pick up there. And this fits right in with Father's Day, this Acts, the 10th chapter, much we can learn from it. The first verse says there was a certain man in Caesarea uh, called Cornelius, a centurion of what is called the Italian regiment. And this this story in the book of Acts is vitally important because this is the first time we see the gospel going to the Gentiles. And this is a really, really big thing here, because up until Acts, the 10th chapter, this is about 10 years after the day of Pentecost. The Jews got to thinking that and they thought, I guess all along, that salvation was just for them. But we need to realize salvation is not just for the Jews. Now, the Jews are God's chosen people. You understand that. But he chose them to bring his son, Jesus, through Them, Jesus, was a Jew. You understand that? Is a Jew. You understand that? And 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 we're spiritual Jews when we get born again. You need to understand that. Read the book of Romans, a second chapter, you see that. But but here you see that the the Jews thought that salvation was just for them. And in this tenth chapter, we see that very clearly that, that God's heart is not just Salvation for the Jews, but salvation for all people. We're allowed to say all people. Yeah, all people. All people. Now, 
having said that, we find something else out about Cornelius here. Not only was he a Gentile, but he was, verse 2, he was a devout man. One who feared God with all his household. He was a good husband. And there's no question, just from that right there, he was an excellent dad. An excellent father. A wonderful father. A devout man. He feared God with all his household. A good husband, a good dad. He gave alms generously. That means he gave to the poor. And he prayed always to God. He, he had a prayer life. So he's a God-fearing man. Now it's interesting. About the ninth, verse 3, about the ninth hour... It's about three o'clock in the afternoon. He saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? And, and of course, it was an angel. It's a small L there, Lord. You know, he showed the angel respect. So he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He's lodging with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. Now, he will tell you what you must do is not that that part there is not in the original text. But yet it bears itself out as we as we go through here. That the reason God sent the angel to Cornelius. Is that. There was something that he needed to do. And you might say, well, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, hold on. Back to verse two. He's a devout man. Yes, he is. He fears God with all his household. Yeah, that, he, he does. He gives to the poor regularly and generously. And he prays to God regularly. What else does this man need to do? Well, there's something else he needed to do. And that's why God sent the angel to him. To send for Peter. Because there's a message Peter had that Cornelius needed to hear and act upon. But do you realize that most people in the world would conclude from verse 2 that if anybody was going to go to heaven, it would be Cornelius. But did you know that verse 2 did not qualify him for heaven? He's a good man, but did you know that even the good must be saved? Did you, did you hear that, what I just said? I want to say it again. Most people would say, verse 2, this man's going, if anybody's going to heaven, Cornelius is going. But you need to realize this. Verse 2 puts Cornelius in hell. I said verse 2 puts him in hell. Did you get what I just said? That's hard for people to swallow. That's hard for me to swallow, but it's, a Bible, it's Bible truth. That's why God sent an angel to him. You know, one of the most diabolical things I've ever dealt with is trying to share the gospel with good moral people. That are trusting in their good moral deeds for salvation. It's real hard to get them to look beyond their good deeds. And see that they're lost and undone without Jesus. It's very difficult. 
It's a lot easier to share the gospel many times with a just an old sinner. Because most old sinners, most of them, you know what I mean? A drunk or a prostitute or something like that. Most of those people, you get right down to it, they realize they need a change. Maybe not all of them, but a lot of them, most of them. But did you realize that, that, that so many people that live good moral lives, it's real hard to get them to see that they're lost and undone without Jesus? Has anybody ever run into that besides me? You know, there's a track here. I know we used this some weeks ago. Bad news for good people and good news for bad people. What's the bad news for good people? Well, the bad news for good people is that your goodness won't get you to heaven. So that's bad news. But what's the good news for bad people? The good news for bad people is that Jesus died for us all. He died for the ungodly and bad people, who we all are, before we get saved, can put our faith in the Lord Jesus and get saved. And that's good news. Can you say amen? Now, does that mean that once we get saved, we shouldn't live right? No, we need to live right. But our living right doesn't get us into heaven. It's a free gift. Say free gift. Free gift. Now, notice in verse 7, when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. Sends them to Peter. Now, for the sake of time, and you can read those other verses later this afternoon or whatever between verse uh, verse 9 to verse 16. But Peter has a vision. And a sheet comes down from heaven, you know, with all kinds of unclean animals, you know. And God says, Peter, rise, kill and eat. And Peter says, Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean. And God tells him what, what the Lord has cleansed, you know, is, is clean and so on. How many remembers that? And it happened three times and a sheet goes back up. And verse 17, now while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. Verse 18, and they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about that vision, the spirit said to him. Now, I want to just stop right there. Did you know that I've and I've run into this over the years? There's been times I've stood in this pulpit preaching and I've said things like the Spirit said to me. And some people just look at you like you're crazy. How many of you know the Spirit of God is still speaking today? Now, I will say this. People that say that the Spirit of God's talking to them all the time and, you know... Just all the time, all the time, all the time, you know, and he, you know, he told me what shirt to put on and he, he told me, you know, you know, you know what I'm talking about? How many of you know there are flaky people out there? Huh? <laughs> so I don't believe that the Holy Spirit's just talking to us all the time. And most people that say that are just flaky people. God loves them too. But the Spirit of God will speak to us at times. Now, you know, the number one way He speaks to us is through the Holy Written Word. You, you understand that. And if we just follow the Word of God, you know, we'd, we'd be in good shape. And there's times that, you know, 
when the Spirit of God wants to lead us or get something across to us, that he'll, he'll speak to us. And usually it's that still, small voice, you know. You understand that? And, and if the Holy Spirit's really speaking to you, it'll never violate the written Word of God. You understand that? So the Spirit said to him. So sh- is the Spirit still talking today? Sure. So don't get freaked out when a minister once in a while stands up and says the Spirit of God said something to him. But for you, safety guard for you, be sure that it lines up with the Word of God. Be sure it bears witness with your spirit as well, you know. Because pe- people can miss it. Holy Spirit doesn't miss it, but people can. The Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down, uh, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. So in verse 21, Peter went down, because he had been up on the rooftop. He went down to the men, you know, who had sent for him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man. So so he's got a reputation, doesn't he? He's a good man. Cornelius has a reputation even among the Jews. This is a Gentile. I think we read it earlier. He had a good reputation among the Jews that he was a good man. But he still needs to do something. So verse 22, Cornelius, uh, they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all, among all the nation of the Jews. There it is. A good man. I want to emphasize a good, ma- a good man. He was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Now, let's put verse 22 up there in the Amplified Bible, if we could. Verse 22 in the Amplified. Let's read this in the Amplified Bible. And they said, Cornelius, a centurion or captain who is just and upright and is right standing in right standing with God. That was their opinion. You know, most people think that if you're a good moral person, you're in right standing with God. See, that was their opinion. How many of you know the Bible records things accurately? You see, that was those people that Cornelius sent. That was their opinion. He wasn't in right standing with God. Not yet he wasn't. You know, you know, a lot of people have wrong opinions, don't they? Huh? Being God-fearing and obedient, well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation... Now, here's what, now watch this, has been instructed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house, and he has received in answer to prayer, watch this, a warning to listen to and act upon what you have to say. Now, here's a just man, a good man, Cornelius, but there's still something he's got to do. A warning. That angels, you see, appeared to Cornelius, send for Peter. Why, why didn't the angel just tell Cornelius what he needed to hear? The angels don't preach the gospel. Men and women preach the gospel. It's only one exception to that. You see it in the book of Revelation and we'll talk about it on Wednesday nights in a few weeks. And there's a reason for it. But he has received an answer to prayer, a warning to listen to and act upon what you have to say. Don't you see the goodness of God in this is that that God will get the gospel through to everybody, won't he? 
Somebody asked me one time, what about those who haven't heard the gospel? What, you know, is God unjust? No, God's not unjust. He will make the gospel available to everybody at some point. God never misses it or fouls up. Can you say amen? amen? And you can read the book of Romans, the first chapter, and see that creation itself is a testimony and a witness that God is real. Now... Peter goes to Cornelius' house. Cornelius, once Peter shows up there, Cornelius shares the vision of the angel. And then look at verse 38, Acts 10:38. Peter now preaches to Cornelius and his household something that Cornelius and his household needs to hear. How God anointed, now Peter's preaching now, ready? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Back in the New King James, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed hanging on a tree or on a cross. Him God raised up on the third day. Do you see he just preached the gospel to him, didn't he? Didn't Peter just preach the gospel to Cornelius and his house right there? Whom they killed hanging on on a tree, on a cross. Him God raised up. Doesn't the Bible say in Romans 10, 9 and and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God's raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Is that correct? Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to teach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Do you see that? That's what Cornelius and his household needed to hear. That Jesus died on the cross for them. That he was buried. He was raised on the third day. And that they needed to to have faith in his name. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Doesn't the Bible say that? The Bible says that Jesus came to his own, but his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become sons of God. Even to those who believe on his name. Which were born, not of uh, flesh or the blood or the will of man, or, but born of God. Say born of God. God. Isn't that wonderful? So Peter preaches the gospel to, to, preaches the gospel to him. And it says, whoever believes in him through his name will receive remission of sins. That's what Cornelius needed to hear. That's what everybody needs to hear. And while Peter was yet speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. See, they had came with Peter. There was a group of some guys that came with him. And they were astonished as many came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. They were shocked that God would let the Gentiles get in on salvation. How many of you are glad that Gentiles can get in on salvation? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. 
Now we've taught you in days gone by that when a person repents of their sins and places their faith in the Lord Jesus, they get born of the Spirit. Is that right? And that's what you need to get to heaven. You need to be born of the Spirit. You get that when you believe upon Jesus. But then there's an experience subsequent to that where you can be baptized with the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking with other tongues. How many of you, how many of you know you don't have to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues to go to heaven? But you do need to be born of the Spirit to go to heaven. But you can also be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And be endued with power from on high. We've talked to you about that. These people got, just simultaneously, they got born of the Spirit and baptized in the Spirit just one, just right in succession, just almost immediately. Isn't that wonderful? And then, He commanded them to be baptized, that's water baptized, in the name of the Lord. See, now right there, there's a lot, did you know there's a lot of people trusting in their water baptism to get them to heaven? Did you know that? How many of you know water won't wash away sins? How many of you know water won't help wash away sins? How many of you know that, 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 uh, there's people that, that are in hell right now because they were baptized as a baby and they thought that that was good enough? You know, there's one denomination out there I'm thinking of that, 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 that they'll tell you, you got to believe on the Lord Jesus and be water baptized and you're not saved till you come up out of the water. How many of you know that's not right? I could give you scores of scriptures, but right here is one of the most powerful. Do you see that these people were born again on their way to heaven and then they got water baptized afterward, didn't they? I believe in water baptism. Jesus commanded it. It just won't save you. Are you out there or have you gone home? And you see Cornelius as good of a father as he was, as good of a husband as he was, as good of a moral man as he was, that in and of itself was not enough. Even the good must be saved. And so God got the word to him. Peter came, preached the gospel. And how many of you know they were ready, they were ripe to hear the word of God. And once that gospel came, they just, I mean, Peter didn't hardly get, get finished. And these people were responding to the altar call, weren't they? We've seen people get saved over the years, but I'm thinking most outstanding when we were up in the school one time, there was two ladies came and they were sinners. They'd never received Jesus and I was preaching that particular day, I was preaching on hell. How many of you know hell is still real? Oh, yeah. I was preaching on hell. And the one guy told me after the service, he said, Pastor Terry, you preach hell so hot today that us Christians sitting in the chair, we could, we could feel the heat on our bottoms and we could smell the smoke. He was joking, but, you know, hell's a horrible place. Going to hell is the dumbest thing anybody ever did. Because you can miss out on it in a moment's time by just repenting and say, Jesus, come into my heart and that quick you miss hell and make heaven. Isn't that wonderful? The Bible says righteousness has come upon all men, all women, boys and girls. All you have to do is receive Jesus. Right? But I tell you what, I just started that altar call and I said, anybody here today that doesn't know Jesus, you want to miss hell and make heaven? And I barely got that out of my mouth. And these two women, they came running down the aisle. I mean running. I mean they could have won a 50-yard dash. 
They came flying into the altar and they got saved. Glory to God. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that the way it ought to be? Now, in Acts 11, verse 13, Peter is sharing this account because he got called on the carpet for going to the Gentiles. And I won't go through all of that today for the sake of time. But I did want to read Acts 11, verses 13 and 14. As Peter's giving the account of what happened, he says, And he, that's, he's talking about Cornelius, told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house, who said to him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. See, Peter's telling the account. Who will, look at verse 14, Who will tell you... Words by which you and all your household will be saved. See that? See, that's why God sent Peter. So was it, was it good enough that Cornelius was just a good moral man? No. He needed to receive Jesus, didn't he? Yeah. But, you know... We as human beings, it seems like we just always want to help God out. Look at Romans, the 10th chapter in the first verse. Did you know, as I said before, God's people, chosen people are the Jews. He didn't choose them because he loves them more than anyone else. He chose them because he wanted to use them to bless everybody else. Including them. Look at verse 1 here. Romans 10 verse 1. This is the Apostle Paul. Writing concerning his kinsmen after the flesh. Writing about the Jews. And he says. Brethren my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel. Is that they may be saved. You know you know, there's a lot of natural born Jewish people. That think that just because they're a natural born Jew. That they're saved. And that's not so. Did you know Paul got beat up. On more than one occasion, he, he, I mean, he was, he was persecuted for telling the Jewish people what we're about to read here. Do you know that? How many of you know the good must be saved, even the Jews must be saved? Is that right? My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Did you know there's a lot of people have a zeal for God, but it's not according to knowledge? For they being ignorant of God's righteousness. What does ignorant mean? Just unlearned? For they being unlearned of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness. I think almost everybody's probably been guilty of that at one time or another. You know, even we as Christians, I think sometimes, we've been, we've been, many of us been saved. You know, we made Jesus our Lord and Savior years ago. But as you go down the road, you, it's so easy to get to a point where you're just kind of still thinking, well, you know, maybe my good works are helping a little bit. How many of you know your good works and my works together aren't helping at all? As far as getting into heaven is concerned. That's what I'm talking about as far as getting into heaven. Being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. You know there's a lot of people that have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. 
I want to ask you today, and anyone listening over the internet, have you submitted yourselves to the righteousness of God? How do you submit yourself to the righteousness of God? Realize that you in and of yourself cannot save yourself. There's nothing you can do on your best day and my best day put together that can get us into heaven. It's a free gift. And you submit to the righteousness of God when you realize that and and turn from that sort of thinking. And then in verse 4, notice Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who what? Believes. When you believe on from your heart, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, place your faith in him, then you've submitted to the righteousness of God. And then the Bible says in the moment that you place your faith in the Lord Jesus, you become the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, we'll have them throw it up there. Second Corinthians 5.21. They can, they can do it. She'll have it up there in just moments. Second Corinthians 5.21. Watch this. For God the Father, he made him Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And that happens when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Not from your head, but from your heart. Don't get mental assent confused with... Heart believe. Just believing there is a God doesn't save you. You've got to, from your heart, believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. That he's the son of God and that he died for you and he was risen from the dead. And ask him into your heart. You okay? But you know, man's been trying, as I've said, to obtain salvation by works ever since the Garden of Eden. Right after man's sin, what did Adam and Eve do? They went out. Got those leaves to try to cover themselves. Is that right? And even when God was cut in covenant with Abraham. If you'll recall. Actually that covenant that God cut with Abraham. Was necessary legally for God to get Jesus into the earth. And when God was cut in covenant with Abraham. Abraham tried to help God out. I mean, didn't Abraham and Sarah try to help God out concerning having a child? It caused a mess, didn't it? We're still dealing with that today, aren't we? But God had to put Abraham to sleep. Remember that? You ought to go read that sometime. And in the second member of the Trinity, Jesus himself, as a burning, looked like a burning lamp, walked that figure eight between the... That sacrifice that had been cut. See, the covenant that we have with God has been established between God and His Son and it can't be broken. Isn't that wonderful? And all we have to do is just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody said, that sounds too good to be true. That's why it's the good news. And then people, you know, they'll trust in their circumcision. Remember they did that in the new early church. Circumcised, got to be circumcised. And there's a group rose up and said, in, in addition to faith, you must be circumcised. And Paul came against that vehemently, didn't he? You know? And over the years, my dealings with this, you know, well, you got you to gotta be baptized, people will say. Water baptized. But that won't save you. 
Some will say you've got to be a good person. You'd be surprised if you went out just in Fenton and went door to door. If people would talk to you and you could ask them, what do you have to do to go to heaven? I think you'd hear all sorts of things. But I think the one thing you'd hear more than anything else is, well, we've just got to be a good moral person and that'll get us in. And that's not in line with the Bible. Now then, I'm going to close here in just a moment, but I want to caution you. Because you see, and this is what Paul, when he preached the gospel of grace, his critics rose up against him and he was saying, and they came against him and they said, Paul, you're saying then that as Christians, you can just believe on Jesus, you're going to go to heaven? Well, that's true. But then they said, so, so what you're saying is just believe on Jesus and then you can live however you want. You can just live like like the devil himself and that's okay. How many of you know that's not what Paul said and it's not okay? All you got to do is go to Ephesians, the second chapter, in the eighth verse. Look at this. For by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. Do you see that? It is the gift. That's a free gift, isn't it? Gifts free of God. Not of, verse 9, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Do you see that? So are we saved by works or are we saved by grace? Grace. Now, we're going to come right back there. But I want to go to Titus 3.5. It's good to review this from time to time. Go to Titus 3.5 real fast. Just, just Not by works of righteousness which we have done. But according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. See, that's the new birth there. Is it by our works of righteousness or is it according to his mercy? Yeah. Now back to Ephesians 2. Let's read verses 8 and 9 again. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But now, you've got to take verse 8 and 9 and put it with verse 10. Look at verse 10. Now watch this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for Good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, the good works are not the root of your salvation. They're the fruit of your salvation. Grace through faith, that's the root. The good works would be the fruit. Do you see that? And and, and you don't have to turn there, but if you go over to the book of James sometimes, James will say, well, you are saved by works, but but. James, what James is talking to, he's talking to a bunch of people there that said, well, I believe in God and I can just live however I want. And what James said is if you're really born again, there's going to be good works accompanying it because faith without corresponding action is dead. There's more we could say about it, but for the sake of simplicity here, that's really what James was saying. I'm always concerned about about somebody that says they're a Christian and they're still living like the devil. Now, I've seen people get born again, you know, people that struggle with, you know, sins, you know, sins and the flesh gets trained to certain things and you get born again and, and, and they'll still, the flesh will still struggle for a while to, until the mind gets renewed to the word of God and then you're able to overcome the whatever, you know, the cussing or the lying or whatever it is. 
But you know, you truly get born again and you sin, it's going to bug you. If it don't bug you, then I question whether or not you're saved. Is that right? Yes or no? You know, I've seen people even say the sinner's prayer and they just go on 10 years, 20 years, just living. They never no change. How many of you know just saying a prayer apart from heart faith won't do you any good? You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you submit yourself to the righteousness of God and you receive the grace of God. You get saved on the inside. You're going to want to do what's right. Now, you may struggle some. You miss it. We can. What does the Bible say? If we'll confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, but you get born again. That want to want to live right is going to be there. How many's ever missed it since they got born again besides me? Oh yeah, and both feet, you know. But we we endeavor to live right. For we are his workmanship, verse 10 said, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God wants us living right. You okay? I believe in holiness. We need to live holy and walk right. All I'm saying is, is that your holy living can't get you into heaven. That's a free gift. But once you're born again, there will be holy. There should be. There must be holy living there. And those, you know, let's just quickly go over 1 Corinthians 3.11. Go over there real quick. 1 Corinthians 3.11. It's important that Christians live right. It really is because you're going to be judged for your works one of these days. Not a heaven. This is not a heaven hell issue. How many of you know the heaven hell issue is over once you receive Jesus? Once you receive Jesus, you really you really receive Him and get saved, get born again, become a Christian. You're going to heaven. But once once you're in heaven. You ever remember that scripture that says it's appointed unto men once to die and after this the judgment. How many remembers ever reading that in the book of Hebrews? You ever remember reading that? When a sinner dies, the judgment is they go to hell. But when a Christian dies, look at, look at 1 Corinthians 3.11. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is, is Jesus Christ. See, that's Jesus is our foundation. But if, now, this is talking to Christians here. If anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's what? Each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it's revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work. This is talking to Christians now of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on, see, what's the foundation? Jesus is the foundation. But once you're saved, then your good works are important. God wants us to live right. And he's going to judge you for your good works. As a Christian now. And verse 13 said they'll be revealed by fire for the fire. will test, one each, test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work, which verse 14, which he has built on endures, he will receive a what? Oh, we must have lost the... Did we lose the... How many brought your Bibles with you? Receive a what? Reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer... Lost, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Are our works important? 
Yes or no? Yeah. Will they get you into heaven? No. Will you be rewarded one of these days for your works? Yes. And if your works are good, rewards will come. I could talk about the crowns of reward. I won't for the sake of time. But if your works haven't been good as a Christian, then your works will be burned up, the Bible says. But I like verse 15. If anyone's work is burned, even if you haven't done all the good that you should do as a Christian, see that going to heaven's a free gift. But let's say your works haven't been as good as they should. Well, there's still good news. Your work might be burned. And you might suffer loss, but the Bible says in verse 15 that you yourself will be saved, yet so is through fire. That's not the fires of hell, that's the fires of the judgment of God. And how many even know that does beat going to hell, doesn't it? So I'd encourage you as Christians, be good deed-doers and do good works, but just don't trust in those good works to get to heaven. And then there's a great white throne judgment. You find that at the... Why don't we just go there? I feel impressed. Turn in your Bibles. You see, did you know that screen? It's good to have that screen up there, but that screen could go down. So bring your Bibles with you. Amen? Did you know men bled and died to get you those Bibles in your hand? So bring them. Bring your Bible. Some people have them on their phone. Some people have them on their computer. Because you know the computer here could go down, but you have your Bible with you, right? Look at Revelation 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. This is talking about people who rejected Jesus, are neglected to receive him. This is Revelation 20, verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. The books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works, by the things which were written in the books. Sea gave up the dead that was in it. Death and hell gave up the dead that were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. And death and Hades or hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. How do you get in the book of life? By submitting to the righteousness of God. Not by trusting in your good works, but by submitting to the righteousness of God and receiving Jesus. Your name will go in the book of life. You'll never have to stand before this great white throne. You will have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, but will never have to stand before this judgment. This is for people who rejected Jesus or did not or neglected to receive him. Go to Matthew 7.22. I know I've been a good preacher closes at least twice. So this is my second closing here. We'll, we'll close right here. Matthew seven twenty two, Jesus says this, our Lord and Savior. Many, did he say few or many? He said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied your name and cast out demons in your name, done many wonderful works in your name? Then I'll declare to them, I never knew from you. Depart from me, you who practice sin. See, if, you, if you've never received Jesus, made him the Lord of your life, then he'll say, I never knew you. Do you see there's going to be a bunch of people on Day of Judgment saying, Lord, I did this. Lord, I did that. Lord, I did this. I even did it in your name. You know, there's a lot of people that are in churches right now in the United States of America. And they're there. And they're, they're, they're there. They've come in the name of the Lord Jesus. But you know, they've never heard the gospel message. And they're just bound by religion. Did you know that? And they, they do that for years and years and years, maybe even their whole life. And they die and go to hell because nobody ever preached them the gospel. 
I've been in any number of churches where if the gospel was ever preached, I don't know it. Did you hear me? You know, there's a lot of religion goes on on Sunday mornings. Is that right? But religion won't save you. I said it won't save you. Being a member of a local church won't save you. Being an usher in a local church won't save you. Singing in a choir a local church won't save you. Being the biggest tither giver in a church won't save you. There's only one thing will save you and that's Jesus and faith in him. Simple childlike faith. Then he's going to say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this? Didn't we do that? Didn't we do the other? He's going to say, I never knew you. That means they were never saved. And as a result of that, they practiced sin. So do even the good need to be saved? Will being devout save you? Will just God-fearing, will that save you? Giving generously to the poor, will that save you? Praying regularly, will that save you? Belonging to the church, will that save you? Volunteering in the church, will that save you? Being baptized in water, will that save you? Being confirmed when you were, uh, 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 when you were 12 years old, will that 13, will that save you? Will paying tithes save you? Will, will, will helping your parents and being good to them save you? Will being a good spouse save you? Will, 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 will uh, here, never ran around on my spouse, will that save you? No. I lost 60 pounds in the last three years. Will that save me? No. I have here never drank, never smoked, never cussed, never chewed, never ran around with anyone who do. Never drank, never smoked, never cussed, never chewed, never hung around with people who do. Will any of that save you? I know most all of you are saved. Why are you preaching this to us? Because it's good to be reminded. See, now, if we as a Baptist church, I'd preach the same message to you every Sunday. Because that's what they did in the Baptist church. See, some congregations, that's all they ever get. Some congregations never get to hear this. But you know what? I like to preach it from time to time because we all need to be reminded. Plus, you never know. God might want you to share with somebody this next week the gospel.